The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Is your organization a talent magnet? Is your culture the envy of the business market? Top organizations need top leaders. Make sure that you are that leader. This show will ensure that you are. Welcome to I Lead, the Leadership Connection with Dr. Linda Sharkey. Leaders today are more than just results. They are about creating legacies of great people, driving winning organizations, and raising the bar for themselves and that of their teams. Now, here is your host, Dr. Linda Sharkey. Well. Welcome. I'm Linda Sharkey. Thank you for joining me again this week. I'm very excited about this week's show. We are going to be talking a great deal about uh, leadership and coaching, the impact of coaching, and what's on the horizon for organizations in Silicon Valley. As you probably know, if you listen to the most recent shows, I was out in Silicon Valley where actually I used to live. And we were over at um, Facebook and at LinkedIn and did some work with, a little work with Lyft. And it's very fascinating what's going on from a technological perspective and what's really going to change in our world and how much is going to be disruptive. I'm also excited to say that I've just gotten a new contract and writing a new book on um, how to future proof your workplace with Wiley Press should be out sometime early next year. So I'll keep you posted on all of that. Well, with all that said, I'd like to introduce my guest today, um, Brian Underhill, Dr. Brian Underhill. He's an industry-recognized expert in design and management of global executive coaching. He worked with Marshall Goldsmith initially and uh, also has worked with many huge clients, Agilent uh, Industries, which at one point was part of uh, HP, AT&T, CalPERS, one of the largest pension plans in the country, if not the world. Um, And he started his own coaching business, oh, about eight years ago or so, and actually happens to live in the same town I lived in, in Saratoga. So, Brian, thank you so much for joining the show. Thanks. I'm uh, glad to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, well, you know, I really, as you know, we've uh, met many times and have a, a mutual friend in Marshall Goldsmith, and it's just been great to see the evolution of your career. You know, you started uh, Coach Source, and now you have uh, about 20 people working for you. Um, you've got over a 1,000 coaches worldwide who are, you know, I was looking at, at the website. I happen to be one of them, which I'm very excited about. <laughs> but, um, you know, who are some of the best coaches in the world. So if somebody wants a cadre of well-trained uh, coaches, you're the place to go. 
But I wanted to start our conversation, um, Brian, with a little bit of discussion. I mean, how did you get to where you are today? What what made you focus in and what led you to starting this business? Well, uh, it was about 20 years ago, actually, when I first uh, started in the field. I was in graduate school and I started working with Marshall Goldsmith and at that time, he, he wasn't so famous yet. He'd actually just did one book, and we were doing a lot of one coaching session, 360 debriefs. So a leader would get a report and then work with one of us for just one hour on their report and what they could do to improve, where they were strong, where they could improve. And what happened is clients would actually start to ask for more of those sessions because they liked them. So they'd say, hey, remember when your coach came and met with me? Could I do a few more of those? I think I could really improve over time. Um, And so we just sort of started building more and more sessions into the work we were doing. And I still distinctly remember the time when one company called and they said, we want to do this for uh, one year Uh, and not only just a year, which was more than we'd ever done before, they wanted every member of this uh, particular management team to work with a coach. I think there were maybe 12 of them. And I distinctly remember the time where we had to then figure out, well, we're going to be working with these people for 12 months in a coaching capacity, but what exactly are we going to do with them? Because we had never done anything to that extent. And so the field really kind of went along. Yeah, it just started growing yeah. and requests were coming in. And similarly, the, the need for coaches in various parts of the world, not just where we happen to live, but other parts of the world started to, you know, these companies would ask for coaches in other parts of the world. And so we just by necessity just started having to build a network to address that. Yeah, that's really cool. But let me back you up a little further. Uh, what, what, made you uh, get your PhD? What was your passion around coaching? Because obviously, you know, when you were a student, you hooked up with with, uh, Marshall. I think your school is right down uh, in San Diego near near where he lives. So what what, what brought you there in the first place? Well, uh, when I was in uh, undergraduate, I, I actually always wanted to major in business, and my dad kept encouraging me to major in something else and then come back to business in graduate school um, because he thought that smart would be more dad. well-rounded. <laughs> and uh, right. very smart. Uh, and I actually ignored his advice until the day I slept through an economics exam and, and uh, had to withdraw from the class, which then twisted my entire turn towards psych- psychology instead of business, I said, well, maybe I should have followed my dad's advice, and this is a good reason to, <laughs> to start that. Especially um, when you were snoring I, in the back of the classroom, Brian. You know, that's, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I wasn't even snoring in the back of the classroom. I was snoring at home. In the front. And just oh. flat out missed the, missed the, the uh, midterm. Uh, so I, 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 you know, I said, well, psychology is actually really intriguing. I, I, I'm going to do that. And um, after I finished my undergraduate, and I had a couple of different uh, positions in uh, various random uh, jobs. I was planning to go back to graduate school and started to really think about psychology. Um, by accident, I ran into this concept of organizational psychology. So I started to apply to graduate schools for clinical psychology, and then while the school I eventually went to, they said, oh, well, are you here for 
clinical psychology or organizational psychology for your orientation today? I said, organizational? That sounds really cool. That sounds like a mix of business and psychology, which is what I'd love to do. So I was hooked from that day forward, and and that's where I enrolled um, and started my studies in this particular field, leading me to eventually meet Marshall. Yeah. Well, that's that's very cool. And so, you know, you started this business. Um, it's always a risk to start a little business like this as as an entrepreneur. I mean, you have a family, you have kids, and um, what made you start the business on your own? Well, it was actually pretty easy because we are already doing all the work I would described. You know, starting twenty years ago and maybe eight to ten years ago. It was sort of obvious that uh, we had a viable coaching business, but Marshall, and for anyone who knows him, and he would say this faster than me, he really hates managing a coaching business. I mean, he he would love to. Yes, he he hates managing. Period. (laughs) He hates managing anything. Exactly. Right. (laughs) And uh, and it's laborious to run a coaching business. You know, you've got a large number of coaches, and you've got. Uh, you know, all kinds of elements to take care of, leading all the way down to, oh, someone didn't get paid for this flight they took once to Buffalo. And Marshall just hated getting those types of calls. Uh, I don't mind it as much and love running a business. So it was actually kind of a logical thing to essentially spin off what we would then call Coach Source into its own entity and have it focused really on managing coaching. And it was a bit obvious because clients were asking for it anyways. They, they were looking for coaches. They were looking for coaches in lots of locations and coaches to be managed uh, to make life easier for these clients. And so, it's, honestly, it's just kind of what the market was asking for. It, it really made a lot of sense to do. Yeah, it, it does make a lot of sense. So you've, you you moved from, you know, at, at one point I was looking at your bio a little earlier, you know, at a point where you were saying you had 600 coaches. Now you have 1,000 coaches. You have a much larger team. What have you learned about yourself in terms of being a CEO? Well, it's it, really important to know what I'm good at and what I'm not. And you know, I think like many of us, you initially think you could be good at everything and anything that you're trying to work on. But the the good thing about being in a coaching business in a kind of human development, leadership development field is there's lots of assessments out there. Uh, as you well know, there's tons of different types of assessments about your personality and your preferences. And I was sort of became a guinea pig because any time a coach would join our network and they'd say, hey, I use the such-and-so assessment. Do you want to try it? And I'd say, sure, let's give it a try. And so I'm sort of assessed on different things a few times a year and, you know, started to get some pretty clear messages on where my strengths were and where those areas are that really drain me or don't, you know, just aren't my strengths. And in that, in so doing, it, it really helped me figure out, okay, well, in building this business, um, you know, I could do this part really well. This is not my strength, and I need to get someone who's way better than me at this other area um, to do. And for our first many years in business, it, uh, we're much bigger now, but it always was me and my colleague, Steve Sass, who I was sort of the uh, kind of the front-end ideas, vision, sales, 
speaking, that kind of thing. And then he's the COO who kept all the trains running on time and really brought rigor to our work, which we still have today. And that's simply because I knew that wasn't totally my strength, but it was a perfect match for him. And so we had really complementary. Yeah, you know, that's such a, a... You just said it right there. It's such an important lesson for a leader to learn is, you know, you think you're invincible. A, you're not. B, you think you can do anything sometimes. B, you cannot. And C, you know, you really need to augment, really know who you are, really at a deep level, and then augment the things that you're not really great at with people who love the things that you're not great at because there are people that do. Yeah. And that that way you can play to your strengths. So it's a great Great insight. So, Brian, tell me something else. What what you see is you know your biggest challenge turning becoming a CEO. Well, in our field, uh, this coaching field is is expanding and growing rapidly. As I'm sure you know, that's probably yeah. part of the reason why you're doing a, a show on it today. I mean, it's been growing and expanding by leaps and bounds. And our challenge has actually been managing that growth. Oh, we're purposely structured as a bit of a virtual organization, so we do have a home office staff, but most of us all work out of our home offices. <laughs> and uh, yeah. In fact, our headquarters is a home office as well, and so we don't see each other a ton. We do that on purpose, though, because uh, we want to keep our overheads down uh, in the way that we run the business. Um, but with all the increase in activity the growth that we have to manage from an internal point of view has been uh, a good thing, but a stressful thing. And in this, this last month we actually made three or four very key hires uh, that we've had to do because we can't keep up otherwise with the need for executive coaching that we're seeing out there. Yeah. So that's that's really the biggest challenge I, I face. Yeah. We're going to take a quick break. Um, when we come back, we're talking to Brian, Dr. Brian Underhill, who leads, I think, for my research, the largest coaching network in the world. And um, one of the, and he's seen an exponential growth in coaching. And I want to talk to you a little bit about that, Brian. Um, switch a little bit into to what you're hearing from other CEOs around coaching and what, why you attribute this exponential growth what you attribute it to. So stay with us. We're talking to Brian Underhill. We're going to be going into a lot more detail around coaching, its impact, and its impact on your company's bottom line. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Dr. Linda Sharkey promotes fact-based solutions for global organizations and leaders that are known to drive business success. Do you want to put the wow in your talent practices? How about a spring in your leadership approaches? Coaching and leadership development are proven methods that, if done right, really do make good leaders great. If you want a no-nonsense, practical approach that will enable you to compete anywhere in the world with measurable results, contact Linda today. Visit lindasharkey.com. Again, that's lindasharkey.com. Game-changing technologies and strategies are transformational, exciting, and disruptive for a reason. 
They shake up your status quo. They get you thinking about new ways to scale, compete, and grow. They move you in amazing new directions. You're invited to take your coffee break with Game Changers on Wednesdays, 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time for our special series on game-changing HR leaders. Learn how you can become the savvy leader who takes your company across the finish line as you look ahead to the next wave of business innovation. Game-changing HR leaders presented by SAP and America's SAP Users Group. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. You are tuned in to I Lead, the Leadership Connection. To speak to Dr. Linda Sharkey or her guest, please call in to 1 866 472 5790. That's 1 866 472 5790. Or you can tweet the show at hashtag iLeadTLC. We'd also love to hear from you by email. The email address is radio at lindasharkey.com. Now, back to iLead, the Leadership Connection. Welcome back. I'm Linda Sharkey, your host. And with me today is Dr. Brian Underhill, the CEO of CoachSource, uh, if not the largest coaching, global coaching uh, organization in the world. Um, we were talking about the exponential growth of coaching, and it's very interesting, um, Brian, because if you if you follow the uh, if you follow what's going on in the news and everything else, and what's going on in, in the workplace these days, there's a big trend away from the structured performance management systems. In fact, there was research done that said only 12 percent of organizations say performance management is worth the time and effort. So more agile feedback and check-ins is really the key to increasing performance and increasing personal capability of the people that work with you. So what do you attribute this? I I attribute it to the fact that we've had like 80% of the workforce says that they're disengaged uh, and don't get enough feedback in the Gallup polls and the other uh, surveys, but also that feedback performance management really just hasn't done the trick. And so what do you think? Well, everyone hates performance management processes, right? Uh, It's a trend I'm hearing about more, even here in Silicon Valley, like more companies are kind of ditching the traditional performance management systems. Um, No one totally likes having to do uh, performance reviews and so forth, but um, you know, coaching is not intended to be a replacement for that. That is executive coaching with an outside coach. However, uh, it can be a tool to then help someone improve and grow in conjunction with such a process, no matter what that process might be. And so sometimes we see an uptick in coaching requests after there has been uh, the, the annual performance review process at a company has occurred and sometimes we might get some requests for coaching uh, where someone has been told, oh, you're, you know, you're, usually it's, oh, you're quite good and we think very highly of you, but here's this area that we think is a, a trouble spot for you. And by the way, now I've got something for you, which is like we'd like to offer you a coach to help you improve. And um, so, so coaching can be used to help supplement such processes. Yeah. Well, you know, Brian, I, I this is my uh, belief, 
Um, I'm not sure I have hard research on this, but I do think if a manager uses more of a coaching process on a regular basis with their team members or their subordinates or even with their full team, that the burden of performance discussions becomes um, not there because yes. they've been keeping up to date. They've been talking about what they're trying to do. They've been helping each other. They've been, you know, giving feedback on an ongoing basis. And I just can't help but think that that's um, not a substitute, as you say, if companies really need to um, hold on to this forever, but certainly an enhancer to being able to build those relationships. Yeah, absolutely. Um, a coaching process, and, and managers can be coaches, by the way, and there's plenty to read about that and plenty to classes to go to similarly. But uh, many companies do want their managers to be more effective at coaching their mm-hmm. staff. And often coaching does involve more of a questioning-type approach uh, yep. to leadership. And so when someone is put into a mode where they are trying to think through answers to questions, um, it, it can be a good place to have them as opposed to saying, well, you're terrible at this, and here's why I think you're terrible. It, it can be more about, well, how can we work, how can we improve this? What ideas do you have? What, uh, what do you think causes this in the first place? And it's a much more productive analysis, if you will, and, and hopefully a call to action thereafter. Yeah, um, absolutely. Than really putting someone off yep. with negative feedback. Yeah, I think that's that's absolutely right. So, what are, what are most of the issues that you find uh, people use coaching for? I I, mean, I know you did well, a recent uh, some recent research, and I'd like I'd like to hear a little bit about what what you see are the big issues that that companies are using coaching for. Well, we do do this research. Uh, we've done it twice now uh, with in the most recent version, about ninety or a hundred companies answered kind of why do you use executive coaching? And the top answer is kind of a generic term, but it is leadership development. So it's, it's basically helping an executive be more effective as a leader, and that can take many forms, um, of course. But coaching is not really used for, oh, life, life issues or where do you want to go next in your career or things like that, really. It's more focused on, okay, we, you, you are a leader at this company, uh, and your leadership is very important to this company. We want to help you be more effective as a leader. And I, if I recall, about 95 or 95% or more of companies who answered our surveys said that's why they were using an, an executive coach. That was reason number one. Reason two is a newer one that's kind of a buzzword in our industry, and uh, it, it was interesting that his buzzwords showed up on the scene a few years ago and now is being used all over the place. And it's uh, about 50% of our companies said that they would hire an executive coach to help their executive improve their executive presence. Executive presence. We had about 57% of companies say that's why they were hiring a coach and executive uh, yeah, you know, I a, find that such an interesting word, though, because it's such mm. a. What does that really mean, executive presence? 
Well, I, my joke was uh, a, maybe a lot of HR folks had gone to some sort of massive worldwide conference where this term was introduced, and they suddenly <laughs> all started using it on me, and I didn't know what it meant. Uh, so I would ask, uh, what, you know, what do you mean by that? And what I found and what I still find when that term is used is it actually can mean a bit of a range of things uh, from whether someone could is an effective influencer, whether someone can communicate written, can communicate orally. Sometimes it could be whether someone could speak to difficult audiences like the media or the board. And it could even be uh, nuts and bolts of whether this person doesn't dress very well or they need a bit of a makeover or something like that. We, we sort of see a range of descriptions for this term of executive presence. So we often have to dig in more to find out, well, what does the company actually mean by that? Very interesting. Very interesting. So what was your biggest nightmare uh, that you ever had in a coaching experience? (laughs) You know, mine is probably similar to others. Uh, Many of us coaches would have a story like this and our research bears this out, is if you are working with someone who's not really, who says they want to make some changes, but then they really don't want to make the changes deep down inside, and so they don't change, and then unfortunately, in extreme cases, they may get let go even while we're still there. That's, you know, and I had one of those. My worst is one of those exact cases where the, the individual was, riding high and, and seen very positively by the organization. He was actually quite famous. You know, he's the kind of person that would be, you know, in the newspaper now and then. Uh, but he, he, had a tr- yep. he had problems treating the staff back at home well. You know, he was famous outside of the company, so he felt like he could yep. really push people around back at the home office, kick, and they were tiring butt, of right? it. Right? Yep. yep. He was, you know, leaving dead bodies. We like to say leaving dead bodies along the way. He really didn't respect people. Yep. He didn't have a whole lot of respect for them. But he really claimed he wanted to make improvement. Um, but as you start working together, uh, we start to learn, does, you know, this person may not really want to make great improvement. I can tell by, you know, assignments not being done or uh, maybe missing appointments with me is, is an indicator. And not changing far enough, fast enough, essentially, despite the company continually saying this, this has to be fixed or things are not going to end well. Um, and so, you know, we tried <laughs> for a period of time, a couple of months, um, and he made very tiny improvements, but it definitely wasn't enough. And I tried to warn him repeatedly that, uh, you know, I would, I would actually check in with everyone working with him to see how, how much are we moving the needle and the needle was being moved, but right. really not very much. And then uh, he had another yeah. incident with his company. I wasn't there at that particular moment, but had an incident where they just gave up and said, uh, that's it. And he was shown the door and actually has never returned to the industry that he was in. So that uh, you know, it's a so interesting. tough situation. Is, yeah, as people think, you know, just because they're great at what they do, uh, personally, that that's their armor to, um, you know, do whatever they want at work. And it's just so untrue. Sometimes it's tolerated for probably way longer than companies should tolerate it, but eventually it mm-hmm. catches, catches up with you. 
because it creates such a toxic workplace. I do want to say, I mean, I, you know, like Marshall says, you know, why, why am I such a great executive coach, meaning Marshall? And he said, because I pick good clients. And I think mm-hmm. it's hard sometimes, Brian, to ferret out. You know, I had a similar circumstance like that. And, you know, the person was really like, oh, I'm into the behavior. I'm into this. I definitely want to work on this. And, you know, got the feedback and just didn't do it. And, uh, you know, you hang in, but it doesn't do you any good as a coach either, I I think. It didn't work out well for me either. No, I think most of us will have a few stories of similar nature. It's, It's not uncommon. Yeah. I don't, I don't think it is, and you kind of learn from it, really, um, of, of all the people that I've coached in the world. But what, what do you see um, today that's on executives' minds that's different, uh, just in general, about the workplace, what's going on? Uh, what are the challenges that they're facing today that are different from when you started eight years ago? Well, you know... Being in Silicon Valley, too, that might tarnish, not tarnish, but influence my my views a little bit. Um, We are seeing, and I think this has been a trend, is is that executives are expected to do more faster um, than they had in the past. And, and, you know, common example is you see a company expanding one way or another or expanding overseas or something like that. And someone who may not be as seasoned or as experienced is suddenly put in the role and expected to deliver. And one reason why I think coaching has gained in popularity is there isn't really time to take that person out and send them to Harvard Business School, even though that would be terrific. Um, you know, they need to get to work now, and they are arriving in country soon and and so forth. So the, the thought is instead, well, then uh, let's get them on the scene, on the spot, coaching to help them grow and handle this transition. And so that's really one of the biggest trends perhaps we're seeing is coaching in transition um, situations. I like that. There's a popular book out that that we all know, you know, the first 90 days, and, you know, we get these requests for, hey, do you have a coach who can do this first 90 days thing with this new leader who's coming into role here or there? It's uh, definitely an area of challenge for organizations and Brian, we're at break but we're going to hold that thought I want to talk to you a little bit more about that coaching and transitions I think that's a a really uh, brilliant um, piece of information and then I want to talk about the global piece so stay with us we're talking to Dr. Brian Underhill CEO of Coach Source one of the largest coaching conglomerates in the world America Business Network, the bottom line in business. Dr. Linda Sharkey promotes fact-based solutions for global organizations and leaders that are known to drive business success. Do you want to put the wow in your talent practices? How about a spring in your leadership approaches? Coaching and leadership development are proven methods that have done right really do make good leaders great. If you want a no-nonsense, practical approach that will enable you to compete anywhere in the world with measurable results, contact Linda today. Visit lindasharkey.com. Again, that's lindasharkey.com. 
tune in to the Voice America Variety Channel on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Voice America Variety broadcasts a diverse array of topics, reaching a global community. Our experts come from all walks of life, and the topics they discuss are everything from current events, arts and entertainment, leadership, parenting, relationships, self-improvement, career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today's hot topics. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. You are tuned in to I Lead, the Leadership Connection. To speak to Dr. Linda Sharkey or her guest, please call in to 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or you can tweet the show at hashtag ILEADTLC. We'd also love to hear from you by email. The email address is radio at lindasharkey.com. Now, back to I Lead, the Leadership Connection. Welcome back. I'm Linda Sharkey, the host of I Lead, the Leadership Connection, and with me is uh, Dr. Brian Underhill. And we were talking about what's changed um, in the world of work. And I, I think from talking to all these CEOs and um, being engaged with all of um, the people that Brian is, the trend of people in transition, you know, the workplace moving so much quickly, more quickly, and also that there's, um, people are, it's a much more global environment. And I've talked about this many times before, I'm going to give a plug here, that we do, I do, a program off of our research, Winning with Transglobal Leadership, where we saw the five leadership attributes that uh, have been proven to drive business performance globally based upon a big study that we did. And in the program, one of the things that we do is we introduce this notion of peer coaching when they leave. And it's very, very powerful because people are transitioning into uh, a whole different world of leading virtual teams, of leading people with different cultural backgrounds, different corporate cultural backgrounds. And very often, what only thing that companies do is give them transglobal, uh, uh, cross-cultural training a little bit, maybe some language training, but don't do anything to really prepare them how to leave and lead in this new kind of environment. So I think this is really an important piece, Brian. What else do you see uh, as instead of, you know, in addition to uh, leading in through transitions, what, what other trends are you seeing? Well, uh, you know, we could back up a bit to this area of this uh, executive presence, um, mostly because that was our, our big, big item there, and it's coming off so often. I don't know why that is the case, but for some reason, coaches are being asked, executives are asking for, for this, and um, we, we're trying to figure out why that is. You know, it, I joked, I've joked, I heard someone say once that the best definition of executive presence is we'll know it when we see it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> or, that's real uh, measurable. I like to, what's that? I said, that's real measurable. <laughs> yeah, we'll know it when we see it. And I liken it to, uh, you know, you watch these presidential candidates, and in your head you start to think, well, could I see this person as a president? Could I see that person as a president? And there's something about that that we maybe kind of inherently do. Um, 
trying to figure out, you know, would this person be a good executive or not? Can I see that in them? And, and that's why we get, I think, so many of these requests uh, nowadays. There seems to be this demand for, for people who, who have that polish, I guess, of being a, an executive. Yeah, very, uh, very fascinating. Um, I, I really think that this whole business of executive presence, it, it goes back to a neuroscience kind of concept. What people have learned, what their brain has sort of, what they have experienced in terms of what their beliefs are that an executive should be, how executives should act. And that can be very different culturally also. Depending upon mm-hmm. where you are in the world, have you have you come across any of that? Oh, absolutely. Uh, there, there's a bit of a concern with we'll know it when we see it because we mm-hmm. might often have certain understandings of what we think we're looking for in an executive, and that's not necessarily what is always going to make for a most effective executive, and and it could actually run contrary to say. Uh, an executive of color is a, one of our coaches that was telling me this as a concern that he sees is that you might overlook certain candidates simply because they don't look the part. And, uh, you know, as you know, right. I think the average American CEO is, what, two inches taller than the ama- average American or something like that. Uh, so uh, we seem to have this belief that simply being tall means that you're going to be a better leader, and I don't believe there's any statistical evidence that that's actually true, but somehow we think that that's what makes someone you know, more executive-like, and and so that's, that's the danger with pigeonholing what we think an executive ought to look like. Yeah, that's, that's very true. What have you found um, is the impact of coaching? Can you, you know, there's a lot of discussion. I mean, when I first started out with coaching, which is the reason I went to Marshall to begin with is that, you know, he was the only coach that I saw that wasn't into psychological constructs and really helped people address behavior in an open and honest way and measured the impact of coaching. Um, but what have you seen as from an, from an ROI perspective? Well, coaching is, is believed to be very impactful, but it is not inexpensive. So it is not cheap. And logically, if you're going to invest in coaching, you do need to figure out, well, is this really going to be worth it? Um, There have been a number of studies done, and Marshall has been a pioneer in this area, of finding out, do people notice improvement in an executive after they've been coached? Uh, Marshall has a famous study that I believe had 80 or 90,000 people in it, and basically it, it it's a quick survey, he calls it a mini-survey, which goes to everyone working for that coach, sorry, everyone working for that leader, that executive, to say, okay, this person's been coached for six months, they were trying to improve in, you know, treating people with respect, for example, have you noticed any improvement in this area over the past six months? And uh, that can be measured. And, in fact, we encourage uh, coaches all over the industry to use a measurement like that to find out whether there has been noticeable improvement. You know, has the needle been moved? In the eyes of those most likely to experience the change, you know, everyone around the individual. And so the results from such studies are, are very promising. 
and we'd love to continue to see more of that done in our industry. Yeah, uh, I think that's really, really important. What what have you seen? Have you can you put your hands on anything that says if you coach your leaders, it's ultimately going to impact your ROI? Now, I personally haven't. Um, the ROI. Well, let's answer this a couple of ways. There there are ROI studies on the ROI of coaching. I'm I'm aware with of many of them. You may have seen them, too. Uh, we joke a little bit in our industry because it seems like every study comes back with about a 6x times the investment. Uh, so you spend, you know, whatever, $10, $10, you get 60 back in terms of value uh, from that coaching. The challenge with those studies is that they are hard to measure. It is hard to measure. A lot of factors go into it. And you never know, right? Uh, you know, was it the coaching or was it other things that just happened to be in the right place, right time to cause that appropriate increase? Um, but nonetheless, you know, for those who really need to feel like there there is a return on investment for spending money on a coach, um, those types of studies are available, and and I'm sure more of that work. Will continue in our field. It's, it's we. I jokingly always called it the holy grail of our field. When I go to these coaching conferences, everybody is trying to find out. Hey, do you do you have that ROI? Have you figured it out? Have you cracked the code on ROI? Let let's. Uh, if you have, tell me about it because we want to do that too. Yeah, and you know, I think it, this does go back to something that I think uh, is is very interesting. The reason people go for that ROI piece is because somebody higher up is saying, prove to me that this is going to make my company better. And, Mm -hmm. you know, we all know that the research does say where you have toxic leaders, um, you know, where you have leaders that are like the the guy that ultimately got fired, that costs you a lot of money at the end of the day. Mm -hmm. And it seems to Mm -hmm. me that that's the direction we ought to go. But when somebody's asking that question, and usually, or when HR people are asking, can you give me any facts around this? It's because they've got to convince somebody somewhere that, um, you know, this is a good thing to do. Instead of people mm-hmm. knowing that from their own personal experience that it's a good thing to do. Because I find if leaders mm-hmm. have experience coaching themselves, they are much more, they don't ask those questions because they know the value mm-hmm. of it. Uh, what, what's been your experience? Exactly that is exactly what happened. We were uh, at a coaching conference, and I was co-presenting with uh, Chris Polino, who runs coaching at Genentech, and he tells this story um, a few years ago where the CEO of Genentech basically called his boss, the head of HR, and said, hey, what's this ROI on coaching that we're doing? Do you have any ROI in executive coaching? And then he tells a story about how hard it was for them to scramble around and try and put together something for their CEO because it can be coaching can be pretty dispersed around an organization and you don't always know that it's ha- you know who's being coached and what's happening and what you're spending. So in the end, he couldn't even produce such a number for his CEO. They they did produce a whole different solution um, which satisfied the need. But that's usually what happens is someone higher up suddenly starts to wonder. Why are we doing this, and what are we getting for it? Um, having said that, uh, in our research, we'd asked executives who'd been coached themselves, who'd been you know someone who'd been with a coach. We we sort of inquired about their 
how important was it for them to see that some sort of ROI metric was done in their assignment? And just like you suggested, executives are actually less concerned about having to prove it that way. They, they believe that generally they will report that coaching was a good experience, that they got a lot out of it. Uh, maybe we did this measurement that asks people if they've noticed improvement that I referenced earlier. But they don't feel a need to now take it all the way to the level of saying, oh, because I got coached, you know, we then received X percent more in business or we saved costs by Y percent or something like that. Do you think it's important to do that? I mean, is it going to be, is it worth the, um, is it is it worth the time and energy that goes into that? I sometimes uh, feel that it's a bit of an itch that some people need to scratch. It's, you know, it's just we're yeah. not going to be satisfied until we've looked at this. We know that the methodology to measure return on investment in coaching is challenging. But if someone really feels like they need to figure that out, um, there, you know, there are methods that can be done. And I know, a, you know, a specialist or two that really, really is good at that. And, and what we find, surprisingly, is after the number is produced, the company seems sort of satisfied, and then they don't seem to ask about it again in the future. It's almost like it's just something that was bothering us. We really needed to know this. Now we know it. Okay, back to work we go. Yeah. Well, that's that's kind of good to know, to tell you the truth. Um, I do think that some of that stuff is going to go by the wayside. We're going to take a quick break. Stay with us. We're talking to Brian Underwood and um, Underhill. Sorry. <laughs> Somebody used to work for me named David Underwood, and I always get the two uh, confused. So I'm sorry about that, Brian. So, Brian, a, a question came in from the Internet, uh, from uh, the email, and want to want to ask that when we come back from break. So stay with us. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Dr. Linda Sharkey promotes fact-based solutions for global organizations and leaders that are known to drive business success. Do you want to put the wow in your talent practices? How about a spring in your leadership approaches? Coaching and leadership development are proven methods that, if done right, really do make good leaders great. If you want a no-nonsense, practical approach that will enable you to compete anywhere in the world with measurable results, contact Linda today. Visit lindasharkey.com. Again, that's lindasharkey.com. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. You are tuned in to I Lead, the Leadership Connection. To speak to Dr. Linda Sharkey or her guest, please call in to 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or you can tweet the show at hashtag I Lead 
TLC. We'd also love to hear from you by email. The email address is radio at lindasharkey.com. Now, back to I Lead, the Leadership Connection. Welcome back. I'm Linda Sharkey, your host. And I'd like to give a little plug here. Um, you know, using coaching to develop global leaders is just such a huge thing. And uh, actually, Boeing has used our materials in their uh, leadership international development program, in, in which we've built in a major coaching component. And um, it's it's been pretty successful for them. It's kind of an exciting thing. So, Brian, a question came in from our audience um, and it's a question from an HR leader in Silicon Valley. And the person wants to know, what advice do you have in s- helping someone select the right coach? Sure. That's the fun part of my job, actually, is helping uh, an HR person or an executive actually pick a coach. And you mentioned we have a network of a 1,000 coaches, so what I have to do is figure out how am I going to get from a 1,000 coaches down to maybe three that that executive ought to meet. Um, what we recommend, um, first of all, is, is for the executive uh, and the HR to be very sure that they really do want executive coaching. Um, sometimes a, the term is so popular that someone could say, I want a coach, and then when you dig into what it is they really need to do, Coaching might not necessarily be the best solution, and so that's one thing is determine, you know, is what I want to work on something that coaching can help. Um, Typically, leadership areas, uh, transition, executive presence, these are things that coaches often work in, but sometimes an executive says, oh, well, my technical skills are out of date. I need to improve them, and that's not something a leadership coach really would help you with um, or you know, certain other areas are not as appropriate. So that's one thing I'd say. And secondly, you know, the executive ought to, you know, be ready uh, and convinced that they really do want to put the time and energy into coaching so that we don't have one of these situations that we described earlier in the show. The executive ought to interview a number of coaches who specialize in leadership, specialize in executive coaching, a little warning is the term does include lots of people who do coaching on all kinds of things, life coaching being one area that is distinct and different from executive coaching. And so it's important that all coaches who are considered are obviously executive coaches where that's the majority of the, their time is spent in executive coaching. And finally, yeah. it's really about a good chemistry match. And it's really about the coach and the executive connecting. And every assignment we've looked at where we seem to have seen incredible results, there's something about that chemistry between the coach and the executive that really makes the difference. And I've even seen a study that suggests at least 50% of the outcomes are related to the match between those two. And that's why I asked the executives to interview multiple coaches and then pick someone that you really feel comfortable with, however, that you feel that they will still appropriately challenge you to improve and grow. So you're kind of looking for that chemistry, but with a little edge to really, you know, push you further than you think you can go naturally. Yeah, that's a great answer. Um, I really appreciate that, Brian. 
quickly, uh, one last thought from you. Um, what do you see are the biggest trends that are going to be impacting coaching going forward? Two or three big, yeah. big things that people need to think about. Well, coaching uh, is growing as a field. I expect that to continue. I'm seeing companies using it in more ways, for example, not just for executives, but uh, for uh, individual contributors. Uh, a couple companies we know are using it purposely for their millennial workers as well. Uh, other companies might have a program on a certain topic, and then they'll add some coaching to the end of that program to really reinforce it over time. Um, and second trend, uh, it's sort of obvious, I think, maybe, that we're going to see more and more technology. A few years ago, a number of years ago, coaches were quick to adopt video calls, Skype, and Zoom, and so on in their work. Uh, I always prefer to coach with video when I'm not in person. Uh, but I think we're going to see a lot more in the area of apps to support our work in coaching, uh, maybe where our executives can keep a log of certain behaviors they've done, and we are able to see that as their coach. Perhaps at one point we'll get to even watch in, look in on certain interactions with the executive. You know, if they're wearing something like a Google Glass or the Microsoft HoloLens or something, yeah. we could actually look in on it, and then we could give them coaching from... Uh, another room or another part of the world while they're in the interaction. We can uh, analyze the, the video with them later. Uh, so I think you're going to see a lot of technology continue to support coaching um, I think down, so the, too. down the road. And I think, you know, and the more you measure it uh, and the more you look at, uh, you, you know, you get a database around some of the behaviors and some of the things that you can't coach Around, I think you're going to be able to get some really big data around the key trends of what are the things that really trip people up uh, in in the environment uh, and in their work environment, which I think is going to be very, very exciting. Well, Brian, um, I'll give a little plug for your company. Uh, your website is uh, www.coachsource. And if you're looking for really top-notch coaches, get a hold of Brian Under, Underwood Underhill. Like, did it again, Underhill. I tell you. That's Brian okay. Underhill, who has a, a, a great cadre of coaches, uh, uses the adaptations of the Marshall Goldsmith methodology, which is one of the best in the world. And I'm so excited to have you, Brian. Thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you. Thanks for having me. So next week, uh, we are going to have a very exciting show in addition to, to uh, this particular one. We're having Srini Kushik, who is the Chief Technology Officer of Magellan Healthcare, a uh, high-tech uh, company out in uh, Silicon Valley. And I had the pleasure of meeting Srini just recently at, a, at an event that I've spoken about uh, numerous times. It was very interesting. So Srini talks about all of the trends that are coming about and all of the disruptions that we're going to see in the world of work because of digitization and the digital uh, boom, so to speak. And the more I think about this, you know, we had technology, we've had it for, you know, a good 20 years is certainly, and it's just exponentially changed, but it is driving things so much quicker and aside from the operational improvements that it's made, it is really going to change, and it is changing dramatically how we're going to live our lives and how we're going to um, 
do things every day. Srini was talking about something I thought it was fascinating. You know, the, the notion of a, of a, of a self-driving car is definitely here and it's going to be, it's, it's, it's here and it's not going to be a very long time before it's around uh, in the mass public. And he painted a picture of the ability to have kiosks of cars where you go and you put your credit card and you get this automobile that drives you to wherever you want to go and back and then you just hook it back up into the kiosk. And one of the things that he said was, it's going to dis- this, in fact, is going to disrupt many, many industries, like the car buying industry, the car selling industry, um, auto insurance, uh, personal insurance, all of these things that were developed at a different time before we had certain uh, technological pieces and advancements that are going to be going on in our lives. It's a fascinating time that we're living in, but it's going to be highly disruptive. And the disruptive nature of things for people who can't really change with this disruption is going to be very uncomfortable. But for those people who can transform, transition with it, it's an extremely exciting time. I'm excited about it. So join me next week with Srini, fascinating individual, and he's going to be talking about leadership, organizational impact, technology, and what I'm calling the digital age of innovation. So thanks for being with me. Thanks to everybody who's listened to my show. I'm so excited and thankful and grateful for the following that uh, we have. Stay tuned next week. Thank you for listening to this week's edition of I Lead, The Leadership Connection. Please join Dr. Linda Sharkey again for another show next Thursday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Have a successful week. Thank you.